Hi, this is Jim Lobato. I'm the president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on BizTalk Radio Show. I started BizTalk so you can have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group, which is in the business of helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with their sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities and then align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a sales force development company. I hope you enjoy this podcast. On our program is Jack Bergstrand. Jack is the founder of a company called Brand Velocity Incorporated based in Atlanta, Georgia. He is also the author of the new book, Reinvent Your Enterprise Through Better Knowledge Work. Jack, welcome to the program. Jim, it's great to be here. Thank you. Well, I'm interested in your book because of the title, Reinvent Your Enterprise. Given our audience and the feedback we get from them, it seems like everybody's rethinking their enterprise today, trying to figure out how to take advantage of the opportunities that do exist out there. So I think your book is very timely based on that. But the first question I have for you today, you know, going over the material in your book, it really draws upon the reference of the knowledge worker. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that was Peter Drucker who first coined that phrase, knowledge worker, is it not? It is. He began talking about knowledge workers more than 50 years ago. And it was when we were beginning to move from the manufacturing age to having more and more people working in offices and and using their their heads instead of being on an assembly line. And what he first saw before anybody else was that eventually the majority of the workforce is going to be made up of knowledge workers, yet we didn't have ways of increasing knowledge work productivity the way that we did with manual work and that this would create a problem for all companies in the future. And as time has proven, he was right. Yeah, and and thanks for drawing that reference back that he actually started on this 50 years ago. And you think about that in terms of the the length of time that actually is. But also, I get the impression, Jack, even though it was originally discussed 50 years ago, it's been a very slow adaptation to the understanding of what knowledge work is all about. Has that been your experience, and is that what caused you to write the book? It is. It is. It, this year is important from a Peter Drucker perspective because it's the centennial year of his birth. And the reason I wrote the book was because he focused on the need to systematically improve knowledge work productivity, not only for the success of companies, but also for the success of society because companies are ultimately our only economic, true economic engine. And while people had been talking about knowledge work productivity, and we've been able to look at it in, in slices, putting together a management system for moving it forward is really something that had been uh, tried but not really uh, addressed holistically. And so that's why it was really encouraging to me with, when the Drucker Institute endorsed the book and where they said that Peter Drucker defined the, the what of knowledge worker productivity that this book uh, accomplishes the how. So it's almost like the operating manual. 
It is. I look at it very much like a holistic operating manual for running a business from business development to delivery to human resources to what you do from a business systems perspective. You give the statistic that they fail 70% of the time. So is it they fail 70% of the time because of we're trying to hang on to just the manual way we would normally run a project and we're not taking advantage of the knowledge workers and how they work? The At the heart of it, it's the fact that we use the same principles that work so well for manual work, try to apply them to technology projects, which include a lot of people-oriented issues, and then we get stuck. And it's a problem with technology in general. There's something that's called the productivity paradox, which is basically that with the zillions of dollars that have been invested in technology, it has still not proven to drive the needle from a productivity perspective when you look at it in, in the aggregate. So for a, company, for a company overall or for society overall. The problem is that when we look at scientific management, which drove the manufacturing age and, and achieved a 50-fold improvement in productivity, it really focuses on the objective world. And so anybody who went through and got their MBA uh, became painfully aware of this, that you really are focused on objectivity, on quantitative methods, and on sort of the left brain sort of stuff. You sort of take out emotion, you take out leadership, and you're just doing uh, things in a, in a very uh, structured way. The problem with knowledge work productivity, which is different, is that where manual work is visible, knowledge work and knowledge workers and the work that we do is invisible. Where manual work and on a manufacturing line is standard, and interdependent, what one person does doesn't directly influence what another person does. In the knowledge work world, it's quite different. It's ever-changing, and it's much more holistic. So when you apply the principles of scientific management to knowledge work, it, you, it tends to over-engineer the process, and eventually that breaks down because of the complexities of the way we all work. So, in a knowledge work environment, where is the importance of leadership in that formula? Uh, we always, I mean, it's, it's always important. People will say, well, gosh, Jim, that leadership's always important. But what you just described, it appears it becomes more important because you're starting to, it seems to manage the nuances. Is that correct? It is. It, it's much more important for leadership to exist, but also to be stable. And what we found in researching for the book was that where scientific management focuses and does a very nice job on what you need to do, when you need to do it, and, and how you can do it best, knowledge work and companies in general require more than that. Because what you do, and this is where technology projects break down most of the time. People get into the what's and the how's before they've been really clear about where they're going to go and why. 
because when you decide and can articulate from a leadership perspective where you're going to go and why, then that eliminates 90% of the possibilities with the what's, the when's, and the how's. And that allows you to focus the resources, financial and human, on the right things so that you get the right results. So does it require a different form of even project planning? It does uh, in that it needs to be much more holistic. And what you find with companies who do large projects, and really at the heart of why they fail so often, is that they focus on a system, for instance. So let's say you're, you're putting together, putting in place a financial system and you focus on what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, and how you're going to do that stuff. Well, that really depends on where it is that you want to go and why. And so if you are building a financial system, for instance, for a very centralized company because you want to become more centralized, that's quite different from building a financial system for a structure that's much more decentralized. So leadership now plays a key role in terms of when systems are involved, in terms of defining where you're going and why, and then holding tight so that you can determine what it is you're not going to do, and then so that the project plans can be put in place to get the results, the decisions can be made, and, and the project can move forward faster. Holistically? Much more holistically. Correct. In, in, in the manufacturing era, it really wasn't, or even today when, when you're doing manufacturing work, it, it doesn't have to be holistic in the same way that knowledge work does because there's not as much interdependence. If I'm making steering wheels and you're making tires, uh, the way I make steering wheels is not going to affect the way you make tires. If you're running a company and if you're putting together enterprise systems, the way finance operates has an awful lot to do with what manufacturing has to do and how sales works and how, how other functions operate. And particularly in the era of enterprise systems and, and totally integrated systems, uh, that has become so important where even 30 years ago it wasn't even a consideration. Is that why, and you write about this in the book, that traditional across-the-board cost-cutting campaigns really don't have the effect today that they did before? I mean, sure, they, they, I mean, they cut things back. They actually have a negative effect on cutting into productivity. Is that correct? They, they often do. And I think it's a good rule of thumb that, that if you do an across-the-board cut, that you are going to get a temporary improvement and long-term you're going to weaken the company. Because in a changing environment where you are focused on changing customer needs, it's much more important and much more effective to manage your costs by, by stopping certain work certain things that you're doing that you should cut out entirely and reinvest in those areas that are going to drive revenue or drive longer-term value. What we tend to do, and this gets more complicated and more difficult as companies get larger, 
where different functions are protecting their own budgets and different divisions are protecting their own budgets, when you try to cut it all at the same time, you will by necessity be underfunding the future and overfunding the past because those budgets were based on a world that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, that's a good way. That's a good way of putting it. So you talk about this in your book, reinvention. What does that actually mean to a person listening today who is running an enterprise? What is reinvention of the organization? Well, the way I like to think about it is that I compare and contrast it to restructuring or reengineering, which is largely left brain. It's, it's largely taking the scientific management principles that work so well in a manufacturing age, and even with reengineering, it's just applying them instead of vertically, it's applying them horizontal, horizontally with a process. With reinvention, it's much more a creative process. It is something where you have to be able to start with your customer, look at the competitive environment and the global environment that you're operating in, because just about everybody is these days, and then determining very clearly where you want to go and why. And that is very much a creative process. Then it gets more like scientific management when you start going into what you need to do and when and how you're going to do it. But then it becomes much more human again because the question that needs to be answered in terms of who's going to be responsible for, for which tasks, that becomes uh, very personal again. And you're really looking for those people who can make a connection and those people who have the relationships with, with customers and with potential customers and even relationships inside the organization so that you can really turn the ignition on and get the most out of the human side of the equation and then activate your entire company. You mentioned before we got on the air today on this program that you said it's really out there and our environment is a whole new ball game. Explain to our audience what you mean by that. Well, in, in the 20th century, really, manufacturing is what drove the economy. And manufacturing responded very well to scientific management. Scientific management is really based on math. It's, it's stopwatches in the old days, stopwatches and clipboards and time and motion studies and, and, and all of that. And there's nothing wrong with all of that. that. That is really important stuff. But it's a whole new ball game because we are now in a world where knowledge workers make up the majority of the workforce. The nature of knowledge work is invisible, interdependent, and ever-changing. The methods for managing it have to change accordingly. And that system for management includes what scientific management includes, but it also includes more stuff. And that requires a, an ability to systematically envision, design, build, and operate your company on an ongoing basis in a global environment. Is that why, Jack, in your opinion, business seems more complex today than it did 
Man, is there as early as 10 years ago? It does. It is much more complex because it is the, the environment is changing faster. And the fact that somebody can open a company anywhere around the world and have immediate access via the Internet is so different from even 10 years ago that the barriers to entry have pretty much gone away and the customer expectations have increased dramatically. Their needs are changing more rapidly because they're in the same highly competitive environment as everybody else. And if you don't get a way to simplify the management of knowledge work and knowledge workers, it becomes very, very easy to get stuck and to over-engineer your companies, to make them more complex. And when they become more complex, they get slower. And as they get slower, you become less competitive. And as you become less competitive, you run into the problems that reinvention solves. Is one of the enemies of a competitive advantage then speed? Is that what I just heard you say? Speed is one of the enablers of competitive advantage. It's enabler. So if you become more complex, get bogged down, then it actually starts working against you because you're slowing down. Absolutely. Interesting. Jack, in your opinion, this knowledge work that you talk about, how much of it is being driven by just the changes in technology and changes in competitive environments, and how much of it is driven by the new generation worker who's coming into the workplace that grew up with technology? Well, a big part of of it is the new worker, but the new worker has to have discipline put into their work in a way that manual workers need. And what has occurred, because the nature of, of knowledge work is invisible, is that it is very easy as a knowledge worker to become unproductive for the organization overall, even though it might look like you're becoming more productive as an individual. So an example would be a person who loves spreadsheets and is a financial analyst and is a, an unbelievable spreadsheet creator. Mm-hmm. And let's say they've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours learning that craft and now every time that there's a problem, a spreadsheet is the answer. And what you will find time and time again is that when they are given a problem, they will create a sophisticated solution for the problem on a spreadsheet that is a marvelous spreadsheet. And, and let's say they use it once, there's a new problem, and they need to have another spreadsheet. In many cases today, we're putting together with technology, $2 solutions for $1 problems. And in many cases, what might take somebody two or three hours in order to develop a spreadsheet to get to an answer, somebody in an old tech way would use a calculator and end up coming up with an answer in a much shorter period. While not as elegant, the answer is the answer. 
And when you start multiplying this times thousands of employees and you start looking at the complexity of the systems that we are building to satisfy the desires of these employees, they so often sub-optimize the company because they are, they are funding the personal desires of the individuals, but they are not focusing on the enterprise overall and shutting off the oxygen to those things that aren't as important, but they're funding too many different things to satisfy too many different knowledge workers, and then too much of that work just doesn't see the light of day. In your opinion, Jack, then is the ideal knowledge worker today someone who is balanced left brain, right brain, or more right brain, the creative side? Well, it it takes a little bit of everything. It, it takes somebody who, in terms of organizationally, I'll, I'll, maybe I should get to your question on the individual, but if I can give it some context to the organization first, sure. I, that would be helpful. Okay. If you look at a company overall, you do need a mix. You need people who are very creative and unconstrained in their thinking, like a lot of people in marketing, Mm -hmm. strategic planning, uh, innovation, areas like that. There, There is a real need for visionaries, and they are best when they're not constrained by a lot of measures sometimes. There's still a need and a very high need for people who are very quantitative because numbers are very, very important and systems are very important and those types of people are very important. They're also very important just like in the old days of people who are really good at putting together systems and whether it's a manufacturing line or it's somebody who's who's uh, a foreman or somebody who's actually doing the work, uh, all of that's, of course, still important. And, of course, when you start looking at the basis of, of business, which is selling stuff, and the relationships that it requires to drive the revenue through people, people through people, uh, those skills are really important. Now... The organization needs it all. I would say that in general, though, that the MBA of my generation was very quantitative in nature, and largely the focus on on number crunching was very, very prevalent in the 80s and 90s and to some degree today. But the great failing of it is that it, was, it, it produced too many people who believed that number crunching was the same as intelligence. And what real intelligence is, is getting stuff done for the company that you're working for. And so to have the right brain put in, which was taken out of MBA schools in, in, to a large degree, in the in the 70s and 80s but to be more focused on the more visionary aspects of running a business along with the people aspects of actually getting work done all of that's much more important uh, as as MBA programs continue to develop 
because anybody who works in a company quickly finds out it isn't the number crunching that gets the results. It's the relationships that you have. It's the ideas that you have. You can't be blind to the number crunching or to the rest of the, the left brain part of the equation, but it's not the whole equation anymore. Yeah. And tell us about what you've seen, the impact that the switch to knowledge workers over the years has been in the areas of business development. Well, I think in business development, it's it's a really interesting path, maybe even on the downside, because in in the old days, when there wasn't such an emphasis on systems, people did their business development just the way they wanted to do it. And some people were successful at it, and some people weren't. As, the, as companies became much more quantitative and computer systems came in, in on board, there was this huge temptation by some companies to over-engineer the sales process through the systems that were used. And in, to some degree today, that is still the case with certain customer relationship management systems, where people are, salespeople are spending so much time tracking what they're doing that they're losing sight of what they're doing it for to begin with. Now, that's an organizational problem. I do think when you look at the sales function and the business development function overall, there is a middle ground when you, when you look at it from a knowledge work productivity standpoint in that that, too, has to be much more holistic. It, it does need to connect with human beings in the way that it's that sales and business development has been done from the beginning of time. But it also has to be targeted on, on helping companies achieve where they want to go and why, what they need to do and when, how they're going to do it, so that the work that they're doing with, with human beings, which is the nature, people to people is the nature of, of sales and business development, but they have to be doing it in a way that is promoting the objectives of the enterprise. And so the, a much more holistic approach in a knowledge environment is, is more important than ever. Jack, I can imagine an audience out there today saying, I get it, I understand it, I experience some of the things you're talking about, but it's kind of like, uh, so what, now what? How do people get started at improving their systems and their knowledge work? Well, I think there are a couple of things that, that need to occur. You know, I think when you look at, at reinvention, structure needs to be reinvented in companies. I think you need to rethink customer innovation. You know, customer innovation should happen with customers, not within a laboratory somewhere. I think when you look at, at having a system for managing knowledge work short-term and longer-term with projects and for the company overall, having a system that helps you envision, design, build, and operate is all critical. I think there are principles that are more important than ever that relate to less being more. And in larger companies in particular, it is so important 
to begin to think more about accelerated enterprise projects because in the in the old world of of sort of the manual worker and the manufacturing age you were usually a little bit better off by taking your time because the world wasn't going to change on you and so getting it 99% right instead of 95% right was probably worth the effort today accelerated projects make all the difference because the world is changing and when you go from getting things 90% right to 100% right, the extra time that that, that 90 to 100% takes you will be enough time for the world to have changed that you end up wasting all of it. The big difference, Jim, when you look at this, is that knowledge work has a half-life. The, the relationships that you have today, the knowledge that you have today, uh, will not be nearly as important six months from now, a year from now, five years from now, as it is today. And that's a fundamentally different part of, of the equation and a really important consideration when you start competing on the basis of time. And increases then the challenge of staying current and staying relevant. It does, and staying focused. And and putting in place the decision ability to determine what it is you're going to do, more importantly in large organizations, what you're not going to do, get it done better, faster, cheaper, and keep on moving forward based on your customer relationships. Mm -hmm. Jack, if people want to learn more about your work and what you do, how would they find out? Well, the best way is to order a copy of Reinvent Your Enterprise on Amazon. Also, we have a website, www.brandvelocity.com, which focuses on a lot of the work that we do. And, of course, if anybody is interested, they can always write to me or email me, and uh, I'd love to start a conversation with people. Is there one piece of advice, Jack, that you're giving people that you work with today that you could share with our audience? Well, I think the, the most important piece of advice that I can give is that we're in a different ballgame. And today, much more than in the past, your enterprise is becoming your brand. Its velocity is dictated by the speed of your enterprise projects, and all of that requires a systematic approach to knowledge work because the majority of most companies' workforces are knowledge workers. Jack, thanks for being on the program. Jim, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. This or other BizTalk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website at www.biztalkradioshow.com. Dot com, or you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact the Performance Group at 800-550-9509 or visit us on the web at www.pmgllc.net.